Today on our Galaxy podcast, we will be continuing our series on Outsource to America, specifically discussing the importance of partnerships between the O2A program and local community educators. As a reminder, Outsource to America started in Detroit, Michigan with the goal of job creation, training, and talent development, while also placing an emphasis on community partnerships and community revitalization. The program has since expanded into Hartford, Connecticut, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, St. Louis, Missouri, and is upcoming in Nashville and beyond. I'm really excited today that we're going to be joined with our special guest, Dr. Mark Boxer, EVP and Chief Operating Officer at the University of Hartford, as well as Galaxy's own Sandeepan Gangopade, President and COO, and Chandra Dayamagudar, VP of the Hartford Innovation Center. So welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you. I'm going to go ahead and jump right in here and talk a little bit about the O2A partnership. And, and really, I want to understand what that looks like. And really, what makes the O2A partnership and the Outsource to America partnership special versus traditional sort of business partnerships that you might see in the market today? Thank you for inviting me to have this discussion. Um, first of all, you know, Outsource to America is a highly unique set of programs. Um, and just proves out the adage in so many ways that you can do well and do good at the same time. And it is very, very different from traditional business partnerships in many ways. First of all, it brings to commercial businesses a highly unique and highly skilled set of capabilities that really create competitive advantage for the business partners. Whether you're talking about digital business models, whether you're talking about highly sophisticated analytics, whether you're talking the creation of automation capabilities, the value creation is there for the commercial partner. But it goes well beyond that. It's also about job creation and economic development and leveling the playing field. So if you look at how Outsource to America works in the markets that it's in today and the markets where it envisions being in the future, it's about creating valuable, and highly skilled jobs that ultimately also drive economic development in the region. And if you look at the cities where it's been successful and the cities where it's moving into, these are locations that are in high need of these sort of valuable uh, technology enabled employment opportunities. And in fact, in many of the markets, we're talking about creating these opportunities in underserved communities. The last point I would make, and this is one that's particularly important given the times we're in, and the COVID crisis that we are dealing with, it's also about business resiliency. And what I would say is, as we've had to move work virtually, as we had to think about bringing work back onshore, because these other markets offshore aren't unfortunately as capable when it comes to the resiliency needs, the internet infrastructure and things like that. And so there's also a special and unique driver taking hold that I think is proving to be very, very valuable. And that's around resiliency. And that's a benefit that originally was not envisioned in the Outsource to America partnership model, but one that is clearly now accruing to those that have commercial relationships. Mm -hmm. And actually becoming certainly more critical um, today. Sandy Penn, you have any thoughts and comments on that? Yeah, I think um, uh, exactly like Dr. Boxer said, um, you know, the key difference is, and this is learned the hard way for Galaxy, that um, instead of um, doing en masse uh, and 
putting people through some kind of a training program and hope that good things happen at the end. Uh, there are a couple of differentiators. Number one, we are not shying away from um, teaching people solid STEM uh, skills, you know, uh, not shying away from concepts like automation. We are beginning to see that the incredible advantage the United States has is in its uh, awesome educational institutions, um, the best in the world today, right? And have been for quite a while. Um, when you couple that with, uh, you know, custom built uh, training programs uh, as per the outsource to America approach, right? It's highly customized. It's customized to a specific target clients need. It's customized based on what the person is bringing in, um, the recruit is bringing into the organization. Mm -hmm. And um, as we have discussed before, it's really opening up opportunities for them and seeing where they are able to best provide value to um, their clients, to our clients, to themselves, their careers, and the community as a whole. So that uh, unique combination uh, that Outsource to America is built out of delivers some of the key uh, messages and the key values that uh, Dr. Boxer mentioned a little while earlier. Does that make sense, Dr. Boxer? Yeah, and I would, and I would um, add one additional comment to build off of what you said, and I totally agree with the commentary that you shared. It in many ways becomes an economic engine for a region whereby success begets success. And there is a halo effect that takes hold whereby as these commercial partnerships propagate, others look and say, they're successful, perhaps we can be successful as well. And so there is a halo effect where the economic lift that happens from the outsource to America benefits way beyond those that were initially imagined as benefiting from the partnerships. And I've seen that take hold now in several markets and it's a very, very exciting thing to watch. The example of which is, you know, Hartford is now becoming a tech center for insurance and healthcare. And in many ways built off of the commitments that the Outsource to America partnership has made and the demonstrable benefits that are taking hold in the business community. So it's very, very exciting to watch. And I think we've certainly seen that in other communities that where we've put out O2A, you know, Detroit was, was that over 10 years ago. And, and if you look at the region now coming through what they've come through, it, it's certainly taken, like you said, taken effect and had that halo effect um, in that community. What are some of the other benefits you've seen as a result of O2A in those communities? Well, I'll, I'll begin if that's okay. And the, um, the benefits to the business community relative to the value creation that comes from innovation is very clear. And that, you know, obviously must be a given relative to relationships, but the other benefits that accrue go way beyond that. First of all, there's workforce development, meaningful employment and training for those that otherwise may not have had the opportunity, number one. Number two, the benefits that happen to the business community as a greater whole so for example, whether it's Detroit or Milwaukee or Hartford, when you create you know, highly valued jobs, there's a downstream effect on other businesses within the community, whether it's restaurants or hotels or office space or things like that, number two. And then number three, it just simply creates an infrastructure for additional development within the region that would not have taken hold had it not been for the partnership. 
But at the end of the day, it's also creating much more competitive businesses within the region as they derive the benefits of the capabilities that O2A brings to the mix. That's so insightful when you when you lay it out that way and you think about beyond just the, you know providing jobs for people. You're providing jobs for that waitress or that waiter who is right next to that community, you know, right next to that company. Um, and and that to me is is such a huge impact today. And 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 indeed, it also strengthens the educational infrastructure, because again, you know, at the end of the day, as I said, it's about leveling the playing field, and therefore it it supports the educational infrastructure by providing internships and co-ops and real jobs for the graduates of those programs as well. Absolutely, I didn't think about that. That's it's absolutely important. What um, how have we seen community partners be impacted? Um, by these businesses and vice versa? What are some of the, the impacts you've seen in, in that area? Yeah, so again, there's there's a few things that I would cite um, that are very, very clear from the all the markets uh, that the programs have been in. So for example, the, I mentioned the relationships with the educational institutions. And again, I, I put the, maybe it's an overused phrase, but it takes a village to get this done. It takes the relationships with the commercial partners it takes relationships with the highly supportive governmental partners, and then it takes partnerships and relationships with the community organizations and with the educational institutions. And when the stars and the moons align among those partnerships like they have in Detroit or Milwaukee or Hartford, great things can happen. And the benefits to the community partners, you know, for example, the job creation and the pipeline that they then feed for that job creation strengthens those organizations, as I said, just like it strengthens the universities. So collectively, you know, it sort of creates benefits for all those stakeholders that are involved. The government organizations benefit because the, the tax rolls increase and there are more high valued, high paying jobs within the region and the economic benefit accrues. And in general, the, the region benefits from it, number one, the commercial partners benefit from the capabilities, the educational institutions benefit because again, their enrollment is supported by the high value jobs that are created in the pipeline for internships and co-ops and, and students. So again, there are many, many benefits that accrue way beyond the creation of the capabilities around innovation. Mm -hmm. Sandy, Ben, I know we've 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 started working with several communities. I mentioned Detroit. We're in we're in Hartford. What do you see now that we've kind of worked with several communities? What do you see in store for this partnership uh, with the community of Hartford? You know, in the long term, what do you see five, ten years down the road? It's a very interesting um, uh, question uh, because it also uh, gives us guidance in terms of where we need to push, which envelopes um, need to be challenged, in other words, and also uh, what, where we still have challenges to overcome. So um, some of the ingredients uh, we see consistently across different cities uh, in terms of uh, scaling the model uh, is that uh, you need, uh, as Dr. Boxer said earlier, uh, you have to do well. This is all good, but you have to do well while you're going, doing uh, good. And doing well uh, means that uh, organizations uh, need to be able to consume the services uh, that uh, outsourced to America excels in, right? And uh, the concept of platform-driven services or automation-driven services, services 
in IT, in business process re-engineering that is driven, data-driven, that is based on automation platforms, that's more um, regulation-friendly. These are concepts that are uh, comparatively and relatively new uh, in the industry, uh, primarily because by and large, uh, IT services organizations uh, shy away from uh, this level of automation because it cannibalizes their revenue. Their revenue is typically headcount based. So uh, if you're going to be headcount based and you're going to flood an IT floor with minimal, uh, you know, people with minimal skills, uh, we are not going to be able to bring those jobs back to the US because, uh, because of labor arbitrage, right? We will always, um, uh, be compared against, uh, uh, you know, people that would be working from other economies around the world, other places around the world. So uh, the first challenge uh, that we overcome is that as um, the, the halo effect, essentially, where people see that, wait a minute, uh, not only are costs comparable to when I was out offshoring 70, 80, 90% of my workforce, these people are doing it with 70% onshore and they are highly resilient and they are using a ton of automation. So that means the work product is quick, it's agile, it is fast, it is consistent, it has uh, high uh, levels of uh, quality and accuracy and uh, they are transforming my organization so that I can uh, conduct changes in my business operations uh, and turn on a dime. So that kind of a halo effect, when people see all those successes, while you are also contributing to the communities and especially underserved communities, it's a no brainer. And that's what we are seeing um, enlightened um, you know, leaders in business, in IT, as Dr. Boxer did uh, really um, uh, when he was with his uh, prior organization, we saw that uh, take off in a big way. And that's the model we are seeing across the industry. So five to 10 years from now, the, we are going to go over an inflection point where uh, I don't believe you are dependent on that halo effect so much. It's going to be more uh, just uh, at par that people are going to expect uh, to work in this model. And that's when instead of uh, hundreds of people or thousands of people, we are going to be talking about hundreds of thousands of people working in this model. Uh, it's almost in my mind, a feeder system where uh, the United States has all these incredible educational institutions and these educational institutions will be feeding into not just outsourced to America, I'm sure there'll be many other such programs across the industry and generating incredible talent pools within the United States who are ready to innovate, invent, push the envelope and uh, build new solutions for clients. And that I think will result in a higher degree of um, the United States being uh, competitive and not just in IT, but in every uh, other field in the industry. Dr. Boxer, do you have any comment on, uh, on that? Yeah, I, I, could, I could not agree more. Look, as the retired CIO for several Fortune 20 companies, 
you know, it is very, very clear to me that it's going to be all about technology innovation, no matter what business you're in. And the North Star for us absolutely has to be, the North Star absolutely has to be building the model within the markets we're in and maximizing the opportunity within those markets, but also growing it in new markets because the need is there. And in order for this country to be competitive, we need to embrace the outsource to America model in the markets that we're currently in, but more importantly, in those markets that clearly need the opportunities that brings to the mix for everyone. And that is the true North Star is seeing this propagate and grow in ways that we only imagine today, but five to 10 years down the road, you know, we've truly embraced um, clearly as a nation, the opportunity set that comes with this. And that to me is what is so exciting. It's gonna help us be more competitive as a nation. It's gonna help us truly develop, you know, the innovation models that are so dearly required, whether it's in healthcare, insurance or other spaces, but more importantly, the highly valuable jobs that this creates in those markets, in those regions, in those geographies, are going to be so important to the economic growth of the future. Mm, okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about just on that same vein, how important is education and, and um, institutions, um, how important are they to the life of this program? Oh my goodness, it's, it's an absolute um, prerequisite in okay. so many ways, because at the end of the day, what we're talking about is developing you know, a highly skilled and talented workforce and the origins of which must be the education of the population in terms of the skill needs relative to the Outsource to America partnerships. Mm -hmm. And so the model does not work without highly valuable relationships between, as I, as I mentioned, the partners, but most importantly, the educational institutions. Mm -hmm. But it has to be very, very tuned to the needs. There are very specific needs that will need to be developed in the program, and that means that those needs have to be well articulated to the educational institutions. They've got to build customized programs to meet the needs of the partnerships and then deploy the talent into the workforce in almost a just-in-time sort of model, if that makes sense. Mm. Is, that, is that something that's viable in, in the university world, in the community college world? It, it is for, for universities like the University of Hartford, where it is very, very tuned in to the needs of the commercial marketplace. And I would say the, the innovative, you know, progressive institutions, and there are many that are out there, understand the needs of that model. It's certainly not the traditional model that exists, but it is the new and emerging model. And it's very, very focused on the needs of the commercial sector and being highly responsive and highly tuned in, and most importantly, customizing to those needs. And it's gonna be in the technical disciplines that we know are so important to the future of the workforce. How does that in programs like this then affect um, universities and how their, their uh, how the, what their competitiveness is, I guess is what I'm getting at, is how, how quickly they're able to spool up and in partner with a program like this, whether that's O2A or some other group that's willing to work with them. Um, does that affect their viability as an institution and their competitiveness as an institution? The, the universities that will survive and most importantly thrive are those that understand the needs of the market and are responsive to those needs of the market and are tuned in to programs like Outsource to America and can be highly responsive. And I, and I would suggest that the models of education for the future are much more aligned to the sorts of partnerships that we're talking about. Yes, the traditional models will be important and there'll always be a place for them, but the ones that will thrive are the ones that are highly responsive to the needs of the market tuned into those needs and can develop programs very, very quickly and bring them into the market. Um, and that, that is, as I said, 
that is a necessary condition for OT2A to be successful and one that we clearly understand within Hartford and one that is clearly understood in Detroit and the other markets where the programs exist. Um, Chandra, you've been pretty quiet. We've been monopolizing the discussion. So I'm going to invite you to, to tap in here. How has COVID-19 limited the ability to provide training talent building? Is the, is the COVID-19 impacted our, our uh, training? Yes, but I think it hasn't really limited. Um, I can speak for the Galaxy um, uh, training programs. Fact of the matter is I think we're really prepared um, to handle um, some of the issues we had with the processes and technologies and communication. Um, and we're able to leverage you know, our GX works and, and certain technology that we have built um, for this purpose. Uh, and, and I think um, we're able to overcome not only the internal uh, Galaxy training programs we have for the outsource to America uh, and the outsource to Hartford, but beyond, even for our clients, uh, we're able, uh, successfully able to uh, bridge that gap and help our client to um, uh, succeed uh, in some of the limitation they had. Um, going back to what Sandeepan said earlier, because of this COVID-19 has exposed certain limitation uh, for the offshore, um, and to, to, to echo what Dr. Boxer said, bringing some of those back into the, to the US, um, leveraging the local talent. Um, and I can tell you a story, uh, Dr. Boxer, to echo what he just said. Um, we have close to 50, 60 resources now in Hartford, which I was part of um, a, a process where to uh, handpick some of the resources through our hiring processes. But now, six months later, as they go through the training program that we had, they are not only doing a great work, they're doing a, a work that saves people lives, in my opinion, because they're working on some of the clinical programs, um, they're working on machine learning, identifying some patterns of diseases, identifying the patterns um, for medication, uh, you know, claims data, you know, pharmacy data. It's a very, very cutting edge going from, you know, not having a job six months ago, now fast forward into six months into this program, they're doing great and they're doing some amazing stuff in the cutting edge technologies. So meaningful too. I, I just, it's so exciting to me to hear stories like that when you hear not only just gainful employment, but something that is, is impacting other people's lives is so important. Um, have you seen any unique and innovative solutions to some of these, some of the challenges of talent building. I'll talk about mentoring, training, um, even you know, you know, building a culture, right? So that's you know another key thing that's that's um, I'm sure going to be interesting to to solve moving forward. So, Shadar, you know, what are some what are some unique solutions you've seen? You know, it, it's uh, it's a uh, the COVID nineteen is no idle concern, right? I mean, we've seen the the businesses are instituting to minimize the human contact between the consumers and workers and their own businesses. Uh, and that is true for training and mentoring and, 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 and bringing resource on board to, to internal Galaxy, even for our clients. But you know, the unique, the model we have, Galaxy, um, we have a three-step process. Uh, we have uh, talent development, you know, hiring and mentoring, bringing those resources on board every step of the way they're mentored. Then you have a career development as a step two. Right in that, whether you have new resources, uh, whether retooling the existing senior level resources, right? And the third most important part is called GX, GX Galaxy Core Integration. 
uh, that's where we do continuous coaching, continuous training, continuous mentoring. So if we take all of those three steps of the way, um, I know there are a lot of new technology coming up uh, post COVID, uh, during the COVID now, but even Galaxy internally, um, we are instituting some really cool stuff to make a online training, the remote training much more fun. For example, um, we have new file sharing technologies, the content creation between the, the trainer and the trainee. Uh, we are looking into uh, potentially um, looking at the virtual reality, right? We are training simulations for our outsource from America, O2A resources, where they can train using these kind of VR simulation training. So they don't miss that. They have the in-person touch and feel, but they don't really miss that in-person uh, touch and feel. Well, that's exciting. I want to, can I be <laughs> part of the test group absolutely. for that? That sounds like. Yeah, but you know, in, 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 in short, I think Galaxy is prepared for multiple outcomes. Um, I know uh, COVID may uh, come and go based on the season, I believe. Um, but I think we are prepared for multiple outcomes and, and, and well prepared to handle any of our client needs uh, in the future. I was going to say, you, you brought up a really important point, and I don't uh, want to let it be lost, which is, you know, the COVID-19 situation has been tragic and it has touched lives in so many dramatic ways. And it's impacted families in, in so many, so many unfortunate ways. But at the same time, you know, it's demanded um, of organizations that they be ready and resilient and able to continue. And the Outsource to America models have shown the value of having, you know, a well-trained, resilient workforce at the ready for continuity. And it's interesting because I'm one of the founding members of the Internet Ecosystem Innovation Committee. And one of the things that we're looking at is the global infrastructure and the need for greater resilience. And I would argue that the need for greater resilience goes way beyond the technology considerations and goes into the workforce considerations. And the Outsource to America model has proven itself to be highly resilient and highly able to be flexible, responsive, and agile in light of the challenges that we're facing. And I think those benefits are getting demonstrated every single day and are accruing. And I think people are noticing that. Yeah, I think you bring, I think the, the you're right. It, 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 it's an unfortunate, but it has demanded and, and a lot of people, uh, including Galaxy and our team have really um, risen to that challenge and, and it's proven out um, to be successful. What, will there be a lasting shift, do we think, in the way training and mentoring um, is handled moving forward? Is this going to, to shift things dramatically um, no matter what? Yeah, I can, you know, um, Tracy, the one thing that's becoming obvious uh, is that, uh, first of all, um, if you are going to do virtual onboarding, training, certification, and then the actual work, uh, nothing stops us from giving even more opportunities to underserved communities who may not have the geographical presence, but you can uplift um, talented young people from those communities. Number two, we are also seeing a migration from bigger cities to smaller cities. And some of it, of course, triggered by the pandemic, uh, but is long-term, some of it is long-term. That again means that we are able to produce 
opportunities for uh, communities that uh, are outside of the major metropolitan areas. And these patterns and trends are here to stay. Uh, so in as much as, um, you know, we came up with the GX works model so that the work we do, which obviously, uh, you know, being in healthcare, being in financial services has to be, is highly regulated, um, security, privacy, those are extremely important in what we do. So the GX works model that allows us to work remotely, but at the same time adhere to those regulatory requirements uh, will uh, also provide an opportunity uh, that will enhance uh, the, uh, the access that underserved communities have to these incredible opportunities uh, that Dr. Boxer and Chandra were talking about. You know, there's a real world example that we're dealing with right now. And, you know, we had been approached um, for the outsource to America model by a very, very large healthcare institution. And they came and they said, look, we're having trouble recruiting diverse, uh, a diverse workforce. How can you help us out? How can this model help advance that agenda? And we said, you know, that, that is at the core of what the model is. And in many ways, it's outsourced to America 2.0, whereby there is a very, very specific focus on building diverse talent. And, and as I said, leveling the playing field. And they see that as a huge opportunity for the program to help them advance that agenda, whereby they'd be trying to solve that for themselves, albeit not even in the most successful way possible, not in the way that Outsource to America can do it. And so I think it's very, very clear that this is going to bring that benefit to the mix for those partnerships. Uh, one of the, um, the areas that we touched upon was the role of local of education, but what is the role that local educators have played in the program to date? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question and an important question because, as I said, that is the underpinning of the success of Outsource to America. And I think it gets to three factors. And, you know, as one who has um, been in the academic world, um, ancillary to my commercial role, um, it's one that I've tried to be very thoughtful about now as we think about taking this work to the next level. And I think it comes down to three factors, I said. Number one, you have to be relevant. As I said, it's really about developing those skills in the workforce that are most valued by the commercial partners, number one. Number two, it's about being responsive, right? It's about having the right capabilities and the right educational programs in place at the right time in the right markets to make sure that it's supporting the Outsource to America agenda. And then number three, it's about being ready. It's about being able to deploy into the workforce talented individuals from these underserved communities with the right skills at the ready to take on the work that's needed. So it's about being relevant, it's about being responsive, and most importantly, it's about being ready. Now, we've covered a lot of ground on this call. We've talked about, uh, we talked about the role of community partners. We talked about uh, specifically the role of partners, partnering with educational institutions. Um, we've talked about the effect this will have overall on, on our workforce, whether that's uh, transitioning to Zoom towns, which is a term I've heard, the play on boom towns. So people are, are moving to areas and, and Sandy been mentioning that'll be a lasting, a lasting effect. Um, how, this, how this is contributing to uh, diversity and inclusion role um, uh, organizations. 
What does it take to really get traction on a program like O2A? There's so many good benefits and, and there's so such good value that our, our um, uh, clients are seeing, but how do you get really, how are we getting traction in programs like this in, in communities like Hartford and beyond? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to come back to what I said earlier, which is it takes a village, right? It, it, it's going to require committed commercial partners who are willing to say, I'm in the mix. I want to put some work into the mix relative to outsource to America, and I'm willing to commit the partnership to make this successful, number one. Number two, it's about governmental support. And, and in the markets where the, the model has been highly successful, there's been tremendous support, whether it's from governors, whether it's from mayors, whether it's from commissioners of economic development, I could go on and on. But the support needs to be there from the governmental institutions to basically instigate and help propagate the models, make introductions, pave the path, number two. Number three, educational institutions, as I said, you've got to have innovative educational institutions committed to developing the skills, putting in place the programs and driving into the market, you know, those talented individuals that are going to take on these, these important roles. But most of all, most importantly, it's the commitment of Galaxy. Um, and they've really gone out on a limb and they've really moved forward with the agenda well, well in advance of the market saying, bring it on. They've said, we're bringing it on. Um, and that's required. That is the prerequisite to making this successful. And the commitment has been there right from the start and it is being proven out in market after market. And to me, that's very, very exciting that we have an opportunity to pave a new path, to define a new model, and most of all, to make our companies and our country more competitive than it's ever been by doing well and doing good at the same time. Absolutely. Sandeep, and I, I, I know it's hard to follow that, but do you have any other comments after Dr. Boxer? <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, and, uh, you know, Dr. Boxer is guiding us in solving that problem. And in any of these uh, cities, uh, the initial deployment of O2A resources uh, always takes a while uh, because um, it is, uh, it, it's an introduction of multiple uh, you know, elements that are different from what people are used to. Um, these are different kinds of statements of work structures, uh, rate mechanisms. Um, you know, many times we um, propose the use of outsource to America and people uh, won't even look at the fine print or won't look at the, that it's cost neutral. They're just going to assume that their costs are going to skyrocket and they just don't look any further. Um, these are, um, uh, you know, uh, real uh, meaningful problems that we are solving. I believe that, um, uh, as Dr. Boxer said earlier, that the halo effect is going to carry us through initially. But as people understand that this is not unique, this is not an exception, this is an obvious and a powerful uh, mechanism for service delivery, while at the same time uh, you are, um, you know, improving, enhancing all these communities and their futures. Uh, I think it'll be the way people will work. So for us to get from where we are uh, to that point where we need to get to um, uh, and see that level of traction, there's going to be a lot of hard work 
between now and then. And we are, as Dr. Box said, we are 100% committed uh, to that. Uh, we are betting our business on that model. Uh, up until now, uh, we have seen incredible success. What we need to do next is to scale more cities, more communities, more clients uh, adopting this model. And there's, there's one thing that needs to be said, and I'm gonna come back to the famous Margaret Mead quote, which is never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed is the only thing that ever has. I come back to the vision of Tim Bryan and the commitment of Tim Bryan and what he has done uh, single-handedly to drive this model into the market and really impact those geographies in so many powerful ways. And it's interesting because he has formed partnerships with Democrats, he's formed partnerships with Republicans. And at the end of the day, what it comes down to um, is making and developing partnerships for all Americans. And that really, in the end, is what he has done. And so I just think it has to be said that the passion, the commitment, the drive of Tim and what he has done with these models is changing our nation for the better. And for that, we are uh, completely grateful. I, I thank everyone for their time today. I feel um, like this has a, been a certainly educational podcast for me and enlightening. I appreciate everyone's time and um, thank you very much for participation. Thank you so much.